Bibles, please, to the book of the Song of Solomon. The Song of Solomon, which is Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And this is a book I've preached on from before, but it's a book that I do love. It probably is, I would say, one of my favorites in the Bible, if not the favorite. And it is a story of love. Um, the characters in it are Solomon. Well, some have different variations, but the main character is the Shulamite girl and her beloved shepherd. But it's a book of love. But I want to come at it just from a different angle today. We're going to read a few verses from chapter 1 in a moment. Well, maybe, maybe we'll just read the verses. We're reading from verse 1 in chapter 1. It says, The song of songs which is Solomon's. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Because of the savour of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king hath brought me into his chambers. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. I am black but comely, or beautiful. O ye daughters of Jerusalem, as the tents of Kedar, as the curtains of Solomon. Look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest, where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? Just sitting thinking, in your home, thinking about maybe Clifford, in your home, well, maybe Evelyn can answer this better. <laughs> Is your home, when Clifford brings you a gift for Christmas, maybe perfume, is he an eau de toilette man? Or is he an eau de perfume man? <laughs> and Clifford's probably thinking, I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I was going to say the big Gary Gregg there, but I know he's an eau de perfume man. So he is. That's it. You can just look at Les and you know, eau de perfume. <laughs> He's got the bruises to prove he knows what it means. So he has. Or are you, you a Rolex man? Like Big Gary there? Well, maybe not a Rolex. He's, he's hoping one day. <laughs> are you one of those fake knockoff ones you buy in Spain or on your holidays? Do you choose, you know, if money was no object... Do you choose the best or do you settle for something less? That's why I'm saying I know the toilet man or I know the perfume. I know sometimes it comes down to price, but we're talking hypothetical here. Money's no object. Why do we settle? Why do we settle for less than the best? You know, we were putting the Christmas tree up, myself and Kathy, before Christmas there and I'm putting the lights on, and Kathy had a lot of the stuff on it. And, just, and she says to me, she says, what do you think? And, you know, you're rushing through it, and you're trying to get all this. Look, it looks okay. 
And she says to me, yes, that's the look I was going for. So it is. That's what I was trying to achieve. It looks okay. No, it does. <laughs> so after I got off the floor after a kicking, so then... <laughs> But that is the truth. <laughs> it looks okay. And many of the time in our spiritual life, we do the same thing. It's okay. It's okay. I'm doing all right in our spiritual lives. And that's not what God has for us. He's not just giving us something saying, that's all right. Give that to them. That's okay. Give that to them. He is giving his best. He gave his best in Jesus Christ, his only son. And the gifts that he has given because of that are his best. God gives nothing but his best to you and to I. But why do we settle for less than God's best? I want to ask you just a simple question today. Where are you and where am I with our spiritual lives in Christ? Where are we? Have we settled for something less than God's best? And I'm asking us to be honest. We can only be honest with ourselves. Because I this this word, when I see this word, speaks so much to me. This is been a, a, an area of my life where, where I believe God is challenging me over these last lot of years. It's where am I with God? And I have to be honest with myself and you need to be honest with yourself because I believe this is the challenge of God. But the reward is that we can have God's best. God wants you and I to have his best. He wants to give us the perfume and not just the toilet water. That's putting it as pure English for it. But he wants it to be good, great, excellent, outstanding, <coughs> rather than it looks okay. And we read these verses here, and as, just, as, as a, just the Shulamite and her shepherd. And just I want to just share some things that, 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 that the Lord has shown me from his word to, to challenge us, but to tell us that there is better, that he wants us to have his best. We look at verse six. He says, look not upon me because I am black, because the sun hath looked upon me. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but mine own vineyard have I not kept. And the first thing I want to look at there is it says vineyards and then vineyard. Vineyards plural and vineyards singular. My mother's children were angry with me. They made me the keeper of the vineyards. Let me ask you this morning. Are you doing things that you're not meant to be doing? I'm not just talking sinful things which we shouldn't be doing. But are we involved in things that are taking time 
and effort from what really matters, our spiritual life with God. Have you your finger in too many pies? Are you stretched to the limit? Are the curves of this world weighing you down so heavy? Are the demands in our lives, and some of the demands are legitimate, and we need to do them. But there's some of the demands are what we have put on ourselves, or of what others have put on us. That's why it says vineyards. This was someone else's burden, and it was put upon this Shulamite girl. She was in the vine, looking after the vineyards. And it says, I neglected my own vineyard. You know, we all need jobs. We have to work. We all have to do things. We all have families and commitments. And this all needs done. But listen, are you doing too much that it is sucking the spiritual life out of you? That the demands are too big. That we've taken things on that other people have put upon us. And we're neglecting our own vineyard. That's why I said a finger in too many pies. Maybe it's something that someone else has put upon you. Maybe you're doing it out of guilt. Maybe you're doing it out of fear. And it's pushing you down. And it's stealing, the, it's, it's stealing the life, the spiritual life of God from you. Is it things that you're, maybe you're putting upon yourself? Worries, fears, ambitions. Things that God really doesn't have for us. But we want them. Because it's going to give us status. But really what it's doing, it's stealing God's best from us. Turn with me just to Luke. Look, book of Luke. We're just going to just quickly look at a couple of examples. Just look 12 verses. 13, verse 13. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he defied the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. And he spoke a parable unto them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentiful, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, This will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I would say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then those, shall, then those shall those things be, and who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself 
and is not rich towards God. And this is where we need to be careful. That our ambitions, this man here has settled for the riches of this world. Jesus says we're not off this world. We're not off this world. I know we have to work and we, we earn, and, but God provides for us. I always think to myself, when's enough? Enough. What is enough? And you have to answer that for yourself. Because if your enough is stopping your spiritual life, well then it's too much. This man has settled for the riches of this world, for what this world could give him, whether it was riches, whether it was status, whether it was ambition. But look what it says. So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Us as Christians, as the church of God, are called to lay up treasure for God. We're called to lay up treasure for him. And the treasure that we lay up for him, we will get the benefits of. But if we're trying to lay up treasure for ourselves, he gets no benefit. And it's no good to us, spiritually. Just Matthew 10. Just another example. And some of these things are legitimate, not sinful in and of themselves, but it's just some of the, the, the ways we, we, we emphasize and we settle on them, and we, we desire them. Matthew 10, 37. Listen to what Jesus said. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. Don't settle for the relationships of this world. I love my family. And my family love me. And your family you love and they love you. I know everybody's different, but we have people we love and care about. But we can't sacrifice ourselves for that relationship. Parents, you have children. Don't sacrifice your spiritual life for your children. Bring them up well, yes, but bring them up with the word of God. Teach them. Teach them right and teach them well. Don't sacrifice the house of God for your children. Because God says, teach them and bring them up in the ways of the Lord. I'm throwing that out at you. I don't have children at the moment. But I'm throwing that out to you. And it's not me saying it. It's the word of God. Bring them up in the house of the Lord and in the ways of the Lord. There's other things. Relationships with a husband or a wife. One old, old preacher I read, and he even talked about, and it interests me reading the way they thought. He says, don't let your husband or your wife become an idol. We love our husbands, we love our wives, but we love God first. 
then we can love our husbands and our wives right. You know, Hannah and, and, and Andrew are not long married and have a baby and stuff and a lot, of, a lot of commitment there. But God has to come first. And it doesn't change over the years. God has to come first. And this is what he's saying here. Prefer me. Because if we prefer him, then our lives will be blessed and we will have the best. Don't settle for the things of this world. Don't settle for the relationships of this world because we're not of this world. There is a place, but don't let them take over. How do you know you've settled? How do you know you've settled? Are you dry? Are you dry in your spiritual life? I know periodically we go through times and, you know, it seems a bit dry. And we go through the motions. And we go through periods and we think, what's happening? Is anything happening? And there is times that the Lord maybe does withhold his presence to test us. But does it cause us to go dry? Times might be dry, but are we dry? Do we have to be dry because the times are dry? Because if we're sick in the face of the Lord, we will stay. We, you know, with the Spirit, will, there will be life within us. It will continue within us. It may ebb and flow to a degree, but there's life. But let me ask you, are you dry in your spiritual life? Are you living on past glories? God met me. I remember God met me 10 years ago. We're looking back. We're looking back. We're looking back. I remember God and I was on fire and I was this and I was that. And we're still living on that. But listen, God's here today. God is here today. I was thinking about revival there in this land. And we keep harping back. Maybe the wrong word to use. But we do keep harping back to the 1859 revival. When God moved. I want God to move today. You want God to move today. <coughs> We're in a routine. We get up in the morning. We know the, the routine. We get up in the morning. Have our breakfast. Go to work. Come home from work. Get our dinner. Go to bed. Get up in the morning. Have our breakfast. Go to work. Come home. Have our dinner. Go to bed. Go to work. Is your spiritual life like that? Are we as a church like that? To become saying four or five songs on a Sunday, hear the word of God, pray at the end of it, have communion, go home, what's for dinner? We'll go tonight, four or five songs, word preached. But is it impacting us? Is it impacting our lives? Maybe you've settled if it's not impacting your life. And two major ways to really tell. What's your prayer life like? What's your Bible study like? Is it consistent? Is it consistent? Do you have a time each day? And I'm not saying rigidly. that every single day we will meet it. 
if something comes along out of the blue that maybe causes us to miss one or two days, these things happen. But do we have a routine each day, whether it's half an hour, an hour, a couple of hours, this is the Lord's time. What's your prayer life and your Bible study like? Is it every day? Is it once a week? Is it twice a week? Is it three times a week? Is it when you remember? I have to ask myself these questions. If we have settled, our prayer life will suffer. Our Bible study, our Bible reading will suffer. I want to encourage you to get a prayer time. Whether it's in the morning, the evening, or the middle of the day, get a prayer time. And don't let anything take it from you. Unless out of the, something out of the ordinary happens. Don't let anybody take it from you. And go, close the door, and say, Lord, I'm here. Would you meet with me? And sometimes the best way to do that, it's not, it sounds rigid, but the best way to do it is to set a time. What is it, 7 to 8 in the morning? 7 to 8 at night? Because if you don't set a time, you'll tend to fluctuate. And it'll get pushed back. It'll get pushed back. It'll get pushed back. And before you know it, it's half 11 at night. Your eyes are going together, and you're thinking, I haven't spent my time. I'm just encouraging you with that. Have you settled? Are we doing all we can to stay afloat? In our spiritual lives. Are we doing all we can just to stay afloat? We're hanging on by nails. Or is the Bible saying, are we standing firm? Are we on a firm foundation? I think about what Jesus said. Jesus says, I've come to give you joy and joy abundant. He talked about the seal of the Lord. Where is that abundant joy? Where is that seal? Do you have it? Then maybe you have settled. Maybe you have settled. But God wants to give us the best. You know, I remember a few years back, and I was in my prayer room and just thinking and just having one of these times and saying to the Lord, and I prayed this and I'm still here, so he hasn't struck me with lightning or anything. He says, Lord, is this all there is? Is this it? Is this all there is, Lord? And I remember saying, because Lord, it's not enough. There is more. But we have to seek him for it. And if we have settled, well then listen, that's all there is. And it's not going to get any better. We have to seek the Lord. But the Shulamite here in the Song of Solomon again. This is why this has so encouraged me. The Shulamite came to the place and says, This is enough. She had had enough. 
She's settled far too long. Now, it doesn't say what happened to her. Although going through the story here that Solomon had brought her into her, into the temple, into his harem. And maybe this was the, maybe this was the thing that shook her out of her settlement, for want of a better way of putting it. Because she, she loved her beloved. But she wasn't looking after the relationship. And maybe this is the thing that shook her out of it. Where trouble came. And sometimes when trouble comes into our lives, we're the, we, we, we blame all around us and think, why, why, why? Sometimes what God's trying to do is shake us. To wake us up. To get us out of the place where we're stuck. So that we can get our eyes focused back on him. But anyway, she has had enough. And she says, I haven't looked after my own vineyard. But now she's starting to say, I need to look after myself. How can, you know, pastor comes up here week after week. And how can he come up and give us the word of God? if he's not getting it for himself. How can you not feed your children unless you're feeding yourself? How can you feed them with the word of God if you're not feeding on it? We need to be feeding ourselves. I know that might sound very selfish, but unless we're feeding ourselves, we can't feed anyone else. Can't feed anybody else. A couple of things just to encourage us. She comes to this place. There's no more. I've had enough. Look at verse 7. Tell me. She's addressing her beloved. She's addressing the shepherd. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where thou feedest. Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? She's got her focus right. There's a determination that has come into this girl's life. And she's saying, tell me. Tell me. You can hear the desperation in her voice. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth. Her love has been awakened again. And it's strong with desire, with passion. Tell me, O thou whom my soul lovest, where thou feedest. Where thou feedest. If you look at the shepherd here, the shepherd here would take the flocks out into the best of the, best of the pasture. And he would feed them on the best of the pasture. Where did Jesus feed where did Jesus feed? Jesus fed from the Father, from all that the Father had. What did he say to the disciples? He says, I have food that you know not of. My food is to do the will of him that sent me. He fed from the will of the Father. That was his feed. And that is what nourished him. Jesus, time after time after time after time, even in the busyness of his whole ministry, was found early in the morning, 
late at night, maybe all night, in the wilderness, in the mountain, in the quiet place, seeking the Father. Jesus made time to seek the Father. And this is what made his ministry so powerful. Because his will was to do, his food was to do the will of him that sent him. It's the will of the Father. The shepherd's food, she wants the shepherd's food. Within the church today, there's a diet out there. And some of it is false. There's a diet of false doctrine, of half-truths. Well, there really is no such thing as a half-truth. It's a lie. If it's not the truth, it's a lie. Ungodly methods within the church. And listen, if I feed you on McDonald's for the next 10 years, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and supper, if we could get you into the church for, one, for the first thing, you're going to be a very unhealthy person. You're going to be a very unhealthy person. But what's the why, why is it any different with the church? If we're going to feed the church with an unhealthy diet, well then we're going to have an unhealthy church. And an unhealthy person ends up with disease, with corruption in their bodies, with deformity, and with weakness. And let's be honest, we've got to be honest, within the church today, there is disease, there is corruption, there's deformity, and there is weakness. But even making that more personal to ourselves, if we're going to eat an unhealthy diet, we're going to have disease, corruption, deformity, and weakness. But God, this is why she wants the shepherd's food, because there is a quality in the shepherd's food. God is not going to give us a food that it is mediocre, that is substandard. God gives us nutritious food. Quality food. He gives us his word. What does Jesus say about the word of God? He says, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. And it will feed you. And I, it is full of nutrition. It will feed our spirits. It will feed our souls. It will feed our minds. And if we feed ourselves with good quality food that is full of nutrition, well then, listen, we're going to be a healthy people. We're going to be a healthy church. And there's going to be joy. And there's going to be peace. And there's going to be, be the workings of God in our lives and in our church. And this is what I've felt from this word over this last maybe three or four weeks God is trying to get us to stop to not to sell for mediocre, for the okay. He wants us to be a thriving church, not just th thriving with the spirit of God, 
listen, I don't want to be looking back at the 1859 revival. I want to be looking at the 2014 revival. Or whenever God comes, choose to come. But we will be, hopefully, by God's grace, be a people that are ready. Where thy causes makest thy flock to rest at noon. I am keeping an eye on the time, but we're okay at the moment. Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. Thy flock. There is a true flock of Jesus Christ. And what does Jesus say? He says, my sheep. Let me just change that. My flock. Hear my voice. And this is a game where we need to be careful. Where it's not about the relationship. Oh, I get on well with them. But they could be fallen or far wrong doctrine that's leading you away from Christ. They don't even maybe know they're following their own doctrine. It's just what they've heard in the church. Some big preacher does it or someone does it. My, my friend does it, so I'm going to do it. No, my sheep hear my voice. Pastors have said about this over the years. Surround yourself with people who believe this word, the truth of this word. Not their opinion of it. Not their flavor of it. And I know there's... there's Certain ways and different ways we look at it, but the, the main doctrines of the, of, of the word of God, thy word is truth. Surround yourself, friends, that believe the truth. My sheep hear my voice. Get yourself in with the right flock because it will encourage you. It will strengthen you. It will feed you. And that's what the true flock do. They endeavor by God's grace to read to hear and to obey his word. If you love me, John, Jesus said in John 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. You and I will struggle if we run with a different flock. And compromise leads to compromise. That's where it goes. Compromise leads to compromise. But let's be like the Shulamite girl says, listen, enough's enough. Enough is enough. I've had enough. I've had enough of somebody else's opinion. I want to know what God says. I want to know what Jesus says. I want to know who, what he says, whom my soul loves. Jesus said to the children of Israel, when you went into, the, land, into the, the promised land, he says, don't be unequally yoked. I says, don't, in Exodus 34, you can read this just for time, I won't. Don't marry foreign women. Don't deal with them and get tied down with them. Don't, because you'll end up serving their gods. Listen to I, I, you know, I know there's young people here today, but our young people's not like this, but there's young people out there. <laughs> Listen, God doesn't want you to be unevenly yoked with a husband or a wife, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, sorry, who doesn't believe this word, who is not a Christian, who is not born again, and basically just because they say they're a Christian, test it. 
God has someone for you. They must be a Christian, a strong Christian who believes the truth of the word of God. Because what happened to the children of Israel? We know their history well. They fell. They married the daughters of foreign kings and they ended up in idolatry. And God brought judgment upon them to bring them back. Let's not make that mistake. Let's not settle for anything less than God's best. He says, Where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon. Like when you think of noon, well, okay, you don't really get it in this country. But when you think of noon, the sun is high in the sky and it's beaten down. Well, we get the rain beaten down, so it's probably the same principle. You're going to get. The sun's beaten down. And under the harshness of that noonday sun, the shepherd brought the flock in to rest. And listen, let's be honest, life can be hard at times. There is struggles, there is sufferings, there's hard times, there's things that we go through. And it's as if we're standing under the noonday sun. But listen, there is a rest in the Lord. There's a rest in Christ that may not deliver us from it immediately, but will bring us through it, resting in him. Blessed be the Lord that has given rest unto his people Israel, according to all that he promised. There have not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised by the hand of Moses, his servant. Pastor spoke in this verse the other week. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I was reading to John Wesley during the week, and this is when he was older in his life. And he says, this last 12 years, he says, I have felt nothing like, I have felt, felt nothing that has, I've felt nothing that has made me tired. And he was talking about spiritual tiredness. These last 12 years, sometimes I have trouble going 12 hours. One minute I'm up, one minute I'm down, one minute I'm up, one minute I'm down. But he says, I felt no spiritual tiredness because there was a rest a rest in the Lord. What is Psalm 91? We know well. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You think of that noonday sun. You think of that as maybe a trial or a, a harsh time we're going through. And we come, won't come to the Lord. We're in a field and there's this great big tree giving this shadow down onto the ground. And many of the time as Christians, what we're doing, we're walking around that shadow. Just one step away from that shadow. But we refuse to step into the shadow. We want what that shadow gives. We want that rest that it gives. But we won't step in to that shadow he who dwells 
dwelleth in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. We won't come into that shadow because we've settled for the things of this world. We like them. We've settled for the relationships of this world. We've got to decide that we want to be under that shadow. For why should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? Why should I be one that turns aside? Why? We don't have to. The emphasis there is the choice. But the Shulamite says, I am not doing it anymore. I am not doing it anymore. I will not turn aside. I will have my beloved and him alone. I am not having one of his companions. I'm not having a, an okay. I'm not having, not having it'll do. I want him. I want to encourage us today. and Because I've done this myself, this verse. I've made it a prayer. But you have to decide this in your own heart. If the Spirit of God is witnessing to you today, tell me. She just didn't go, tell me. Tell me, O thou whom my soul loveth, where you feed, where you make your flock to rest at noon, for why should I be as one that turns aside by the flocks of thy companions? Lord, tell me where you are. Let me be where you are. I am not going to settle for anything less than you. Lord, I want you. Then we will have God's best. Even when you think about Solomon writing this song, first verse says, the song of songs. The song of songs. Solomon wrote many songs. Maybe hundreds, thousands even. But this was the one that was above them all. The song of songs. And I don't think this maybe was the last song that Solomon wrote. But he knew when he wrote this, he wasn't looking for any greater songs. When we come to Jesus, you know what we do? We end up, instead of saying... This is, the, this, is, this is what my life is all about. We start to look for another song. I wonder if there's one out there just as good. I wonder if there's another one just, as, just, as, just even better. But listen, there's nobody better than Jesus. He is the song of songs. He is our song of songs. Stop looking. I have to say this to myself. We need to stop looking. Because we can have no better than him. We were created for his good pleasure. In him we move and live and have our being. We need to stop settling. I want God's best. I want God's best. 
You want God's best. But we have to come to a place where the Shulamite girl says, I've had enough. This does not satisfy. God's word tells me that he is the pinnacle of my life. Well then, I want him. We're going to have to go into our room, our prayer room. If you haven't got one, get one. And say, Lord, tell me where you are. I want to know you. Day after day after day until he shows up. And he's going to start to deal with some things in your life. And listen, you're not going to lose anything. We're sitting here now and we think this side of it, I might have to give that up. I might have to give that up. Listen, you may not have to give a lot up. But there's some things you may have to give up. And you think it's a great loss. But when you see him, you'll be thinking, how did I ever compare the two? Listen, he is our beloved. Shulamite just said, I'll just finish with this. In chapter 5, verse 4, it says, My beloved put in his hand by the hole of the door, by the latch of the door. King James says, My my bowels were moved for for him. But I read it in another verse, it says, "My, My beloved put his hand in by the latch of the door, and my heart was thrilled within me. When was the last time you were thrilled with Jesus? Talking to myself. I want to be thrilled. I want to be thrilled. Let's not settle. I do believe it's a challenge from the word of God. It has been to me. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me. Call unto me. Let me just read. I want to just read this just in closing. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which thou knowest not. There's the word of God to you and I today. Call unto me and keep calling until he answers. And look what the people get when they call. This is to Israel. You put this into your own lives. For thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the houses of this city and concerning the houses of the kings of Judah, which are thrown down by the mounts and by the sword. Their lives, their, 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 their country is ruined because of their sin. They come to fight with the Chaldeans, but it is to fill them with the dead bodies of men whom I have slain in mine anger and in my fury for all those wickedness have I hid my face from this city. Behold, I will bring it health and cure. I want like health and cure in my life. And I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captivity of Judah and the captivity of Israel to return and will build them as at the first. And I will cleanse them from all their iniquity whereby they have sinned against me. And I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. And it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all the nations of the earth, which shall hear all the good that I do unto them. And they shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and for all the prosperity that I procure unto it. Call unto me. 
Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Let's pray.